Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome aboard the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm so happy to have you joining me on this lovely, lovely Saturday up here in northern Michigan. Quite brisk out there. We've still only gotten a little bit of snow, but there's a nice blanket over everything. And I always try not to forget that uh, it's the remnants of an ice age. It's such an unusual, funny thing that we get to sort of experience for this little bit, you know, of the year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it makes you wonder what it would have been like uh, when we were much closer to being in the actual Ice Age. You know, when it was winter all the time where I am right now. Or actually, what, under two mile sheet of ice? Jeez. Not exactly Great Lakes sailing at that point, I don't think, but. I don't know. It's pretty cool. But uh, in my elder age, remember, I grew up up here and spent many a winter playing around on the tiny little ski slopes uh, out here and and messing around in the snow and all that and shoveling the snow and scraping the snow and and trying to arm myself against the snow and cold with multiple layers of everything from sweaters to gloves to baklavas. Uh, So, you know, at my age, uh, I like to dabble in winter, uh, but I also like to jump out of it and head south. Not for the whole thing, but I like to I like to mix it up. Uh, You know, I get those itchy feet. I like to I like to shake and bake and get out of here. So uh, and I've actually picked up another delivery, it looks like uh, tentatively for uh, for January, so my December I'll be sailing, my January I'll be sailing, and uh, then we'll figure out where to go after that. But each time in between, I'm heading back up here to old Michigan to work on, you know, the little projects, the children's books, the things like that, which are almost done. I saw the first three books. They're, uh, they're going to come out. I'm actually going to put those out first, but uh, it's so cool. It's so cool to see a likeness of, of Mighty Sparrow and, and me, I guess, uh, in cartoon form. It's just, I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine what it must be like if somebody wanted to make an actual like cartoon, like Simpsons or something like that, about something you did and you see yourself as a cartoon. Oh my God, that'd be a, that would be a trip for sure. Uh, but yeah, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about some... How to get from the East Coast, Southern East Coast, down to the Caribbean. Uh, some of the different experiences I've had doing it and talk about the routes and the weather and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so it'll be a bit of a shorter show, I think, uh, but hopefully an informative one for those who hope to venture down there one day. Uh, because the next delivery that I picked up in January, that's exactly what we're going to do. So. Before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to help support Sailing Into Oblivion, uh, support me getting Mighty Sparrow back on the water with fresh new sails, which are in dire, dire need at this point. Um, Essentially, that's part of the reason why Sparrow is not going in the water, is that I no longer have sails to be able to propel her out into the ocean blue. So thank you for everybody that has continued to support the show for so long. Uh, if anybody else wants to sign up for a subscription sort of thing like that, you can follow the link to Patreon and become part of the Patreon family. 
Shout out Bojangles, my latest addition. I know he wouldn't mind getting the old shout out. Um, but uh, we got the merch line still out there, obviously. Link in the description for that as well. And then I also will, I've been putting the PayPal and the, the Venmo in there because I know some people just don't want to do any sort of sign up. They just like to drop a little donation here and there because they enjoy the show. And I really, really appreciate it. Because that's going directly to the next adventure. Um, other than that, if you want to reach out to the show, sailingintooblivion.com, podcast button, and uh, contact the show, and you are going to email me directly. Big, big thanks for everybody that's uh, sent them out. And uh, I love hearing back from people with ideas for shows and uh, questions, queries. But most of all, I've gotten a lot of emails where people are expressing um, that I've kind of inspired them in some way shape or form or kicked them in the butt and got them out there and then they went for it one in particular was really cool and i think i'd mentioned it before but a guy basically circumnavigated the um atlantic from oh where was it (sighs) i'd have to dig through my emails but essentially a epic epic voyage and uh he kind of just let me know that i was part of the uh the prod that got him going out there so that to me most heartwarming thing in the world you just can't you can't you cannot understand when you're just sitting talking into a microphone and uh you're trying to share your experiences and and do this sort of form of content creation uh to have it affect people is really is really something special and uh so i really do appreciate it and uh i did i have to say i got a uh awesome shout out on on the old instagram not too long ago and uh it was just somebody who uh, uh, essentially just just he he named me my podcast was was his favorite for 2023. So that that was uh, that was super cool to see, and uh, I really do appreciate it. So ah, good times, good times. Well, so without further ado, yes, the next delivery that I picked up in January, essentially. We're leaving from the great state of Florida, the northern half. I don't want to give away too many details. Um, But essentially, we're going to be destination Puerto Rico. And that's a big trip. Um, It's not uh, by any means something that is sort of like, oh, yeah, you know. I mean, I've done it quite a bit, but it's uh, you got to go offshore. Um, Or like I'm going to get into, there are a few different options. And essentially, you know, as the crow flies, and I've got, I've got windy open right now on my screen. I want to do, because I want to do some uh, distances and some planning. Um, but let's see, there's one, there's two. And uh, where's three? I got to get this there. And one, two, man, windy makes it really easy. All right. Oops, no. We want three down there. That's what we want. So essentially, uh, my if if you go the normal route, the out to I sixty five, or I call it L sixty five, longitude sixty five, which is right pretty much smack dab in line with Bermuda. Um, you know, you're looking at about a thousand miles to get out there. And then about 800 to 900 miles to get down to the Caribbean. And this is a very, very typical route for those boats that are well-equipped um, and ready and wanting of doing an offshore passage. Now, the other option would be to 
go ahead and stay close to the Bahamas. Go just north of them. Um, stay within 20 to 50 miles of shore. And essentially that, the route is only 1,200 miles total as opposed to 1,800. But... You're going against the breeze. You're tacking. So even though the line on my computer is showing like such a small little, oh, that's nothing. That line's going to look like a sawtooth uh, with all the tacking you have to do. And now you're presented with a lovely lee shore of islands and coral heads and shallows that you sort of have to deal with. Um, I have heard of people taking the coast of Florida and then going down and kind of coastally. And I don't know if they do it along Cuba. Um, I've heard definitely about coastal sailing along the Dominican Republic and getting like sea breezes and counter currents and skirting their way along that way. That sounds like an absolute nightmare to me just with all the catastrophe and things that could go wrong doing that. And again, you know, I have not done that route, so I don't want to speak about it. Um, I, I just know that in the past, at some point, I had heard about people doing that. So you're, you're really never offshore on that one, except for the hop from, like, the Keys down towards Cuba and everything. But, I yeah, I don't know. That one... Like I said, I don't want to speak about anything I don't have any experience with. Um, it's all hearsay at this point. Uh, but I do have some experience of doing two different routes, essentially. One, where you leave Florida and you go through the Bahamas proper. Like you're in there, tongue of the ocean, you know, all these islands, stuff like that. You know, stopping periodically along the way, but essentially worming your way through. And that, I think the assumption, by, and this was years and years and years ago, I think the assumption by the captain at that point was that because we're amidst all the islands, we can find protected areas to duck and dodge any bad weather, um, that it wouldn't be as rough as going offshore because offshore, it's rough out there. And essentially again the problem uh, we ran into was that we were beating into the wind the whole time and it just you know that boat it was a, a catamaran and not the greatest ship in the sea to say the least even though it was like a new one uh by the time we got down there and we only saw some serious weather in the mona passage uh in between puerto rico and um where is the Mona Passage? Or above the north of the Mona, Mona Passage in between Dominican and Puerto Rico. We, we took that boat to St. Thomas first. Uh, hey, it, it, we, we had beat that boat to death. I mean, it was tough on that boat. We're, things are coming apart. Everything's leaking. Water tanks are becoming dislodged. Uh, it was just, I, you know, it was absolutely an unnecessary punishing trip um that again it's a little counterintuitive but the offshore route definitely provides a a much less i believe provides a much less um difficult voyage for a boat you can you can baby a boat far easier offshore than you can if you are doing this head you know hard on the wind cutting through these islands, uh, even the route 
just north of the Bahamas and staying sort of coastal, quote unquote, there, it, again, you're, you're beating the wind. You're pounding on that boat. And even though you can baby a boat going into the wind, that motion and everything like that is still pretty tough on the equipment and it's tough on the people and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, needless to say, when we pulled that catamaran in finally to the BVI, and I think I've told that story uh, in depth before, but there were literally, there were real issues. They had to have a team on board to fix all the stuff that was coming apart on us and uh, to be able to get it ready for the charter boat season and such. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things where had we done a different, uh, had we done a different route, I know I don't know. I mean, that boat, though, I will say, uh, that boat was not equipped for offshore sailing uh, by any means, like real offshore. Had we, you know, taken off and, and gone straight out and gotten into a significant gale or something like that, I don't know if that boat would have lasted. It was not... Uh, it's just definitely that was that was one of those that was during that was a low point that was during desperate times desperate measures you know I don't even think we were getting paid to do it uh, we didn't have to pay anything to do it but we were just trying to get down to the BVI uh, I was trying to get down there for a job interview which didn't actually even happen uh, but I got to see and hang out with a lot of old friends and stuff and we picked up another delivery um, to get back which was paying so that was pretty interesting. Um, the other one, though, yeah, was this one, and we had left from Charleston, so a bit further north, and this one we we were on, this was a beautiful, absolutely stunning, it was like 57 feet, custom, custom design, uh, kind of looked like an open 60, but um, mixed in with like a 57 Chevy. And I only say that because it was like this this baby blue color and all of a sudden it had a big fin on it, like a, or a big arch, big arch wing. But a beautiful boat, a race boat. Had a keel that you could, it was on a hydraulic ram and you could bring it up so the draft was six feet or you could drop it down and I think it was 11 feet. I mean, you know, a real deal, ready for the ocean sort of racer. Um, and that one... The only problem is we, we and we had a, a, I think there were four or five of us total. I want to say it was not. We had four of us on the boat. I was the mate. The captain was the owner. And uh, then we hired on two extra crew for the trip. And when we when we first sat and discussed, this was a winter crossing. It was late January, early February, something like that. And we, you know, we sat there and, and everybody was like, well, I mean, the, the easy route is to go due east until you hit L65 and then you uh, go due south and you that's that's how we do it. That's the offshore route. That's the easy route. And, you know, after sort of discussing it a bit and looking at the weather and everything, um, the decision was made by the owner that we didn't want to go that far offshore and that we would stay close to the Bahamas and just go along the northern edge of them, trying to stay, you know, around 20 to 50 miles uh, from land and uh, and get down there. And, you know, I do remember it being said that the distance was a lot shorter. Well, again, the only problem with that is as soon as you get, and I'm looking at the weather chart right now of just the, just the current conditions. Uh, and right now, the winds are blowing. If you left Charleston, you'd be going dead into southerlies, 
you got to the Bahamas, you're going right into southeasterlies. And as you get to like Turks and Caicos, you're going straight into easterlies. So you are literally wind on the nose the whole time. And obviously, you know, systems shift and things change and all that sort of stuff as you're out there. But if you uh, if you want to beat yourself up, beat your boat up, and you like, for whatever reason, beating into the wind. Now, again, remember, in the wintertime, December through, like, March, the trade winds are howling. I mean, their peak is sort of the Christmas winds. January, the trades, you're, you're typically, I can remember being at Bitter End, and that wind would start right around Christmas, and it would be blowing 18 to 25 knots, essentially four months, day and night, without restraint. And I do remember one time sitting up, and we were trying to do something. We are up on my deck, Buddy Drew, um, and uh, just, you know, cans kept getting blown around and stuff. And I was like, man, this incessant wind, it just won't stop. And he's like, hey, bite your tongue, young man. That, that wind right there is what gives everybody their jobs. This is the sailing capital of the Caribbean, my friend, and... Without that perfect wind for all these months, you wouldn't have a job. So I, uh, it checked me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so essentially um, going through the Bahamas, you know, unless you want and ha- unless you have a lot of time and you want to stop in a lot of those places, you know, you can sort of pick and choose because the weather does vary. You're not just going to get the trade winds through the Bahamas. But you get south of the Bahamas, though, and a little further east, yeah, I mean... You're pretty much down in the trades at that point, and um, and you're gonna have to fight your way over into it. And you know, my ideal scenario, if the vessel is equipped and and the goal is to get some good offshore sailing in, ideally, the trip from pretty much south of Hatteras uh, down to like West Palm Beach is due east due east due east all the way out to l65 and then go ahead and uh if if the weather looks good turn south and head right for you know puerto rico virgin islands that sort of area and essentially what what you're dealing with weather wise um and there are some challenges you've obviously got the gulf stream if you're leaving from florida the gulf stream is just going to be the first like 12 to 24 hours depending on the speed of the boat because you're going to be across that sucker, and you're you're well south of where the really nasty giant eddies are. That's all up there, Hatteras and, and above. Typically, it, it is changing as well. Um, but once you once you clear the Gulf Stream, so that that you can get such a really detailed, uh, accurate weather forecast for, because you're just trying not to have you know wind against the the current. You know, you wait for a nice southerly or a mild easterly, and you just get out. You get across the stream and out into the open ocean. And um, once you've done that, then, you know, you're in this belt, so to speak, where you're kind of in, I guess I would call it the variables, um, where essentially you have weather patterns coming down from Canada, coming across the U.S., uh, coming off the coast between you know, Florida and, and North and these systems, these low pressure systems. Yeah. They, they sometimes explode. They sometimes are huge and sometimes they sweep pretty far, far South, but you're going to be most times on the Southern half or the Southern portion of these storms. And remember there, the winds are rotating counterclockwise 
So you're essentially getting the westerly winds. Um, you might, in the beginning, depending on your location compared to the center of the low, you might be getting some southerlies first, then you get some easterlies, then you get your northerlies as that system moves from west to east. Uh, but ideally, and usually if you're down as far as like Savannah or Charleston, you're pretty much uh, going to be on the southern edge of those. And you want that. You want that nice easterly or westerly wind to just take you all due east as far as you can go for the first, you know, few days, depending on the on the speed of the boat. Um, you know, with Mighty Sparrow doing 120, 140 miles a day, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, six, seven days to get out before we start making our way south. But essentially... Um, you know, you try not to fall into that trap of like, well, let's cut the corner a little bit. I like to just, if the weather's good, I like to just blast, 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 get as far east as I can. Um, you know, assuming that the boat is equipped with the ability to download the weather and keep keep current track of that, you know, then some wiggling around north and south to stay in the breeze. Boy, I'm looking at looking at the weather there, the 6th. And oof, there's a nice big system and that sweeps all the way down to the Bahamas. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, and you're going to see some weather out there on this trip. But essentially, yeah, uh, not to get off track, um, you get out there and then hopefully you find yourself in a situation where um, you can you've either got. A nice little northerly or maybe even just a bit of a calm patch. Not too calm. You always want to keep sailing. Um, but you get, you get because it's a variables, you're going to get some other wind direction typically than east. You know, east is, is pretty rare up at that, that latitude. And um, you make your turn south once you get out there. And sooner or later, as you a day or two in, you should then start to encounter the easterly trades. Nice part is now you've positioned yourself where you can be on a beam reach pretty much all the way straight down towards uh, the islands. Because typically in the winter, uh, you're going to have more of a northeasterly wind. And in the summertime, so getting into June and July, that's where you typically get more of southeasterly. At least that's how it was, you know, when I was in the BVI all those years. Those are sort of the patterns we sort of felt. And, um, you know, what this does ideally is you're you're typically going to be downwind or off the wind sailing to get out into the middle of the ocean. And then when you make your turn, you're typically going to be beam reaching all the way back down. And so those are pretty lovely conditions, not only for the boat, but also for the crew um, and just the mental state of everybody on board. It's just way more comfortable. The boat sails faster. It's more fun. It's more enjoyable. I mean, hey, even though it's a job to go and do a delivery trip like this, I'm not doing the job for the money. I'm doing the job because it's a fun experience. I love going out there. And when you make it pleasant and you you take that route, I mean, yeah, sure, we'll probably see some pretty rough weather trying to get east, maybe one. You might go through like one edge of a low pressure system and it can get a little sporty. Uh, but again, typically, you know, because you're you're way out in the middle of nowhere, you can handle it in very, very different ways. You don't have a lee shore. You don't have the Gulf Stream around you. So the waves should be pretty normal breakers, not 
not freaking shore break in the middle of the ocean. Um, which, oh, you know, side, side note, when I was on this last trip, I, I was getting back into uh, Sailing a Serious Ocean by uh, John Kretschmer, and I somehow I missed it, but he had a really incredible Gulfstream story, and uh, oh my gosh, it was so fun to read because I'm just, I'm, I can literally, I can, as I'm reading his description of what he was dealing with, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've been in that exact same situation and how intense it is and all that sort of stuff and, and what happened. And they, you know, and his, they, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it's exciting. That book, I mean, that book is it it's it should be on every single every single boat uh, that's got a sail on it. You know, that one and heavy weather sailing, heavy weather sailing is just a classic, but sailing a serious ocean that's that's the legit real deal um it's so good it's just so good shout out john for that one wow um oh, now i've got off track yeah so you you might see some uh you might see a little bit of bad weather but chances are because you you are sailing very close to like the bermuda high so you know you might get some really beautiful calm days where you might have to motor a little bit and all that stuff. These these are things to take into consideration. You know if you if you run into a big patch of calm, you might have like three days of of calm and three days of motoring. I don't know. You know, do you have the fuel capacity to do it? Are you prepared to just drift and swim and and you know lay around and do whatever? Uh, for a day or two until the winds fill back in, you know, is it, is it like, we got to get going, we got to get going. Um, so these are all things you have to take into account. And, and obviously can, is the boat ocean ready? Can we download the weather? Do we have any perv, um, life wrap? All that sort of stuff has to come into account when choosing these passages. And do we have enough experience on board? Um, you know, these, these are all things that very seriously have to be taken into account. And I mean, I, I, that's definitely one of the things that I'm really, really enjoying so far about getting back onto doing yacht deliveries and stuff is, uh, my position on the boat has changed quite a bit since, uh, the last times I was doing these, you know, it was well before the trip around the world, well before the solo sailing stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd hop on a boat and I, I knew my stuff. I was, I was very, very competent and all that stuff, a great attitude, whatever, not to pat myself on the back, but I, I wanted to, I know that the sailing world, uh, especially yacht deliveries and stuff is small and word gets around bad or good. Usually it gets around a lot faster if it's bad. Uh, and your reputation is something you have to sort of live by. And so, you know, I, I thought I was going to be doing deliveries forever. I think I did them for like five years uh, and then just got sick of living out of the suitcase. And I pulled into old Bitter End Yacht Club. And that is all she wrote. <laughs> that place is unbelievable. Best. I think it's still hands down one of the best little arenas for good time. Hobie sailing, big boat sailing. I mean, oh, the BBI is just off the chain, and the bitter end is that little perfect, beautiful thing that lies right there. If you can, if you can get there, go, go. It's awesome, and they don't pay me to say that either. <laughs> um, uh, but I keep going off track, man. My brain. I don't know. I got my coffee. Should be, 
sticking right into it. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, uh, the position that I, I'm finding myself in now, what I'm really enjoying about these deliveries is that, uh, I'm, I'm kind of mixing it up in between sharing experiences and, and a little bit of teaching, i.e., you know, uh, hop on a boat with some owners that are looking to improve their offshore sort of sailing and a lot of it it's not like it's not like it's like oh I'm gonna sit here and tell you exactly what you need to do um I think more than anything I am a little bit of like a safety net where if stuff does go really pear-shaped out there you know chances are I've, I've dealt with it quite a bit and I even though I know that most people, if they were just to go and go for it, they're gonna probably be okay and they're gonna gain the experience themselves. Having me on board with them, and again, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back, but having me with with the experiences that I've had on board uh, can just ease the stress, ease the the pressure a little bit. You know, if uh, if everybody all of a sudden comes down with pneumonia and um, and they're unable to to do watch or everybody's seasick or for for whatever reason something happens, you know I can sail the boat. Uh, I can I can do it. It's um, it's one of those things where uh, I don't know. I'm trying to articulate this for some reason pretty hard, but um, essentially my position is I'm not the captain. I'm here as uh, a crew member that. Um, can do pretty much whatever is needed, uh, but mostly wants to share the experience, have fun, and and give them the initial confidence so they can have a stress-free, you know, first time out there offshore or just a stress-free trip. You know, it, somebody might have done it a couple of times and just just is sort of like, man, you know, I, I, I like doing it, but I hate the pressure that I feel because it's only me. Um, and you know, the, it is the law of the sea. The captain has the final say always for sure, but having, having somebody who's got a lot of experience, you know, along for the ride, I don't know. It's just nice. It's like having, um, having a really good person on the team. Um, plus I'm, I'm fun. (laughs) No, no, I, I, I think, uh, what I'm trying to say there is, uh, I, I really love offshore sailing and I think my attitude already goes from being pretty happy to, uh, very, very happy out there. And I love, uh, you know, I love being out there. And, um, so I try to make the experience as enjoyable as possible for those around me and all that sort of stuff. So, it's it's been a lot of fun and you know being able to see the glimmer in people's eyes when you know when I was used to teach small boat sailing there were times where you would you would see it you'd catch it just for that moment where the student finally like figured something out or you know maybe they got the sail trim just right or now the tiller is everything feels perfect and you see this little smile crack it's like oh yes and you know you only played a little bit of role and I've always felt instructors shouldn't really tell people what to do they should just lead them into figuring it out themselves like that's the ultimate goal and uh you know try and do that on these these uh these trips and it's been fun you know it's in its infancy I'm still trying to figure out exactly my best groove and everything but I really enjoy it and it's so funny because back in the day when I was first getting into this thought it was always like oh we don't want the owners on board you know we don't want the owners now we were doing a lot bigger boats which usually have different types of owners but um 
and no, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but uh, some boats you get up to a certain size and you need like a professional captain who knows exactly what he's doing, not not somebody who bought the boat and sails it every once in a while, um, doesn't really know exactly what they're doing, um, but thinks they do sort of thing. You get you get the normal size boats, and the owners, you know, they're the captain. They're they're uh, they're in it to win it. And um, yeah, I mean, in the past, it was always like, oh, we don't, I don't want to do any trips with the owners because I did have a few bad experiences too with uh, you know owners on the boat thinking it's just a party and they're just drinking and all this stuff, and and they could actually cause some serious issues doing that. But um, now it's sort of like I wouldn't even, I don't even know if I well. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would want to take a delivery if the owners weren't going to be on there and they weren't looking for uh, sort of a shared experience and and a learning experience. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just super fun and it's my little niche and I'm sticking to it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's that's honestly, this got to be kind of a short podcast because I do have to uh, start actually packing and getting things ready because not only do I have. This upcoming uh, trip on the the beautiful West Sail 32 that's down there in the great state of Florida. But I uh, also have a presentation on the 6th uh, in Fort Pierce. So got to make sure I'm ready for that. I was going through all the different variations of it today because there's, you know, I haven't done that one in a while. Um, this whole last trip, the whole speaking tour was uh, all the new, the new presentation, the disaster voyage. But, uh, you know presenting is presenting and um i've done the sailing into oblivion one ah well over 100 times and uh i don't know it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to see how how i've changed in my in my technique of of telling a story up there when it comes to doing a a story that i haven't done in a year or two so i'm really looking forward to it though i was looking through i went through like five or six of these powerpoints because i have different ones for you know schools and yacht clubs and general audience and this and that and they're all geared a little bit different and oh gosh what a trip i can't even believe i did that Ugh, holy smokes like i don't know it's just, it's just been a long time since i looked at some of that stuff uh in its entirety and hats off to that guy i uh i do not feel like that guy anymore that's for sure uh, i feel battered and bruised <laughs> Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm all good. I'm all good. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Hopefully you have a great weekend. I uh, got some good shows coming up. I'm going to obviously take all my stuff down uh, so I can record quite a bit while we're in this uh, coastal cruising stuff in Florida. And then, um, yeah, back up in Michigan for a hot second, then back down to Florida for the uh, hopefully for the offshore adventure. So that one I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be a lot of fun. But Till the next show, thanks for listening, and thank you for the support.